Oh, we are back. Yet another week of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. I'm Alon. And I'm Aura. So, um, it's February now. I just finished listening to the debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham about the creation of the universe. Did you Did you get to hear any of that? Not at all. No. Well, it was pretty awesome. I think there was a bit of a scandal, though, because as soon as Bill Nye came on, the stream start, stopped working for me, and I, we had to scramble to get it working again. So we missed a few minutes of Bill. But it was pretty awesome. Our friend uh, Ron Workman was in the crowd and took some photos, and I'm pretty sure submitted the question where he just asked them what their favorite color is. Um, But I don't know if he actually asked a question. So you should listen to that, and uh, so should you, the listener. But on the topic of video games, there, um, there is so much. I ordered my pin, my Killer Instinct pin, for sort of free because I finally got the email that I was registered and I got I got my code for the free pin that cost me $3.18. So now do you feel like you're being treated like a proper consumer? Uh, sort of. Although, as far as I can tell, I haven't turned on the Xbox, but I tried to use like their website and all that to see what the second challenge is, the February challenge. It Well, last time I checked, still wasn't up, and I think I checked yesterday. Uh, so, Is there now more than one person participating in these challenges? There, I'm guessing, are a significant number of people. There's definitely uh, people in forums and whatnot talking about it, but not a lot, right? I can't. It's not just me, but it's certainly not an avalanche of folks. But I figure that, uh, I mean, enough people bought this thing to make it be out of stock. So there have to be a lot of people have, who have it. Although I wonder if a lot of them never signed up because they couldn't even figure out how. But anyway, um, I'm excited to keep going. If I see another challenge, I'll how, do it. How long do you think they're going to support this promotion for? Uh, it's supposed to be eight months. All right. So how long do you think they'll support it for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think? Like they'll just stop and give give everybody codes for all of the pins? I'm just. I would be really impressed. <clears throat> If it actually lasts that long, considering all the problems that you've voiced about it. Well, things only get better. Um, that's a great attitude. And there'll have. probably be a reduced number of people over time participating. Right. To make it even more worth it for them to continue supporting it to the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, what's interesting about the way that they've developed this game is that they have consistent pieces of like of big news. Right. So it's a free to play game. And it's a pretty interesting model where there are, I don't know if Spinal's been released yet. They, they talk about how he's coming real soon, but I don't, I haven't turned it on in a week or so, so I don't know if he's playable. Without Spinal, there are six players, and then they're going to add Spinal and Fulgore for a total of eight players. Um, and for a long time, Jago was the only person you could use if you didn't buy anybody else. But then in the past month, they've had three different players. So now more than half the roster has been playable by... Um, by everyone, whether or not you paid for the game, right? They, so you just, well, what happened before? I mean, are these just new characters getting released, or you had to just pay for it before no, so, and then later everyone So there are six free? characters. Jago was the free one, and so you had to buy the other five. Right. Or, you know, or wait. the combo package where you got them all or whatever. Okay. Um, and then they said, oh, you know what? Saberwolf's the free character instead of Jago. And that was after like a month and a half or two months. Or oh, something. they change it. Yeah. So now when you go in there without having paid, your free character is someone different. You know, they just change which, which one's locked for you and which one is unlocked. And they've changed it now for a third time. Yeah. So it was Jago for a long time. Then it was Saberwolf. Then it was Thunder. Now it's Orchid as of a few days ago. So <clears throat> this is interesting because it's almost like you can play all the characters, but... You just, unless you want to pay money, you can pay, you can play um, the character they choose for you. Yeah, and you know that, um, I mean, I don't really know, but I'm guessing most people who have the game are uh, haven't paid for any content. Isn't that usually how it goes? You know, 10% buy content, yeah, 90 it's, don't. Yeah, it's funny because I was reading some, some free-to-play articling um, before the show, and it seems like the train of thought these days is that you really you either got to go totally free to play or you got to go totally um like a substantial upfront price like the 99 cent thing 
that um, a lot of apps and games have fallen into appears to be basically the compromise where you get the worst of all worlds. Um, so when you say totally free-to-play, you mean just follow the free-to-play model where you get a bunch of money from the few people who pay you. But you're not, you're not saying just make everything free. No, I mean, I mean from the consumer's perspective. I mean just to start the game. Obviously, you, I'm presuming that there are in-app purchases in, in the free version. Okay, I wasn't sure what you meant by totally free-to-play. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense that if, if the only option you give the player is to spend a single dollar... That I mean, you're really limiting your income potential. Well, no, well, it's not. That's not it. Actually, that's not. That's not the point I was making. Um, even with the 99 cent, even if there are in-app purchases, it seems like the the really bad compromise you get by going 99 cents is that you lose out on all the money that you would get from your quote-unquote fans who would have paid, let's say, 15 dollars or 40 dollars or whatever. But you also lose out on the volume of potential people that would have tried your game. Yeah, so sp- spread the net be- really wide. Because they're, not, because they're not willing to even pay a dollar a lot of times. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm certainly one of those people. Uh, although I, it's rare that I go from free-to-play game to in-app purchase. But what I was trying to say about Killer Instinct is that they have these, these major points, right? So people who want to play for free... I haven't heard of this model before where they're just like, okay, well, now you can play the other character. This is really mm-hmm. weird because I'm once again getting the sense that the developers are surreptitiously doing a service for players who really care about learning and getting better at the game. Because if I was into that game, right, like let's say it was um, Killer Gran Turismo Instinct. Yeah. And they had the same model where, let's say, I had to uh, I could I had to buy any car with real money, but I only had one car to drive. But every month or whatever, it was a different car. As somebody who cares about performance more than anything else in the game, I would want, I would be not only just fine with that. That would that kind of pattern is actually incredibly nicely compatible with the pursuit of ability and skill because it takes a while to learn a character right yeah so and, and and of course right unless you're um i mean if you're if you're if you're disciplined enough then the best way to play this kind of game would be to practice a character for a whole month and get good at it and then practice the next one yeah like, well lately they've only been giving you about a week but i see your point i do uh or, or even a week i mean it still works that way right it's yeah. it's weird because this would encourage me, and I think people like us, to actually not pay, not buy anything. Well, what's interesting, I didn't know they were planning to do this. I wonder if they were planning to do it, or, or I wonder if this is either an experiment or a tactic, because, um, I mean, do you have any sense of how they're making their money, how much money they're making, if it's this is No, I mean, I assume a lot of people are just buying all the characters. I mean, there's also in-app purchases and stuff where you can pay to unlock i think there are crap i can't even remember now because of course they have their in-game experience points that you then use to unlock things in the game just access to things which you then have to earn no it's weird you have you have to earn a certain rank just to be able to unlock something with experience points even if you had the experience points you have to get to like level whatever to be able to to unlock something not not levels but it's like get win 10 ranked matches with glacius right just for the privilege of using your experience to unlock a thing which is trivial like a graphic or a badge or something um so those those aren't using real currency the the only things you can you can buy for real are uh the characters and probably some outfits or something i don't know anyway um what I was saying about constantly releasing interesting stuff is like they're rotating the characters through. They're also releasing two new characters over time, which is probably twofold, right? Like they didn't finish the game, so they're only going to release some of the characters, but also serves the purpose of bringing excitement to the game and news because they keep posting about this, right? Like blogs and things keep keep saying, hey, Saberwolf's now the character you can play this week. Thunder is, Orchid is, right? So yeah. they keep getting in the press cycle. Yeah, this is funny, right? Because not only is development now a continuous service, but so is their marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
that plus the challenges are another thing to post if they ever you know get around to posting the second one so it's it's an interesting way to run this free to play model and i wonder if it i mean i'm i think it's safe to assume that it wouldn't be as successful if it didn't have these milestone announcements to sort of keep people's interests over time um <clears throat> so good on them, I guess, for figuring out some sort of solution to this. Yeah, I just I really wish I knew if they were raking it in or not, you know. But I guess I, they won't tell anybody. I doubt it. It's a niche product on a niche system. By raking it in, I mean making any money at all. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm not making any money trying to sell my original Killer Instinct cabinet on Craigslist since I'm moving in two months. Um, I uh, I need to get rid of that thing. So if you know someone in Phoenix who wants an original Killer Instinct dedicated cabinet. Maybe with NBA maximum hang time in it as well. You, uh, you know, send them my way. I may have posted it on our Facebook page. I don't remember. Um, and if this person is actually interested in buying other arcade boards. <laughs> we have a lot of that crap. I have a few of those that I've been keeping yeah. for way too long. All right. So, so I've talked about my killer instinct again for uh, too long as usual. Um, <clears throat> another thing, I guess, since we only have a minute left before the break... I've discovered, I had never heard of this thing. Maybe you had the Cronus Max. I think there was something previously called no, the you, Cronus. You said that word, and it's, um, I'm completely drawing a blank. Okay, so a lot of the systems these days use USB as their you know, controller input, right? PS3, yeah. Xbox, PC, PS4. Uh, although PS4 doesn't send data over the cord. Xbox One does send data over the cord. Um, and so there's this thing called the Cronus Max, which is basically like a little USB dongle. You plug in your controller, and then you plug that into your computer, and you can say, here, make the buttons work this way and have macros and stuff. So that when I plug it in my PS4, it works as a PS4 controller, which basically means I can have a joystick for killers. Okay, that sounds pretty nice to me. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we're back. You really don't have to. Very, very. You said you couldn't follow what I just sort of screamed before the break. I will, I will reiterate. So, you have a little thing that you plug your controller. No, into. you can't do this because I was pretending like I understood you when we were leaving, and now you've totally showed me up, and I'm exposed. In but front I, of everybody. but maybe our listeners didn't follow. So, it's a little rectangular thingy that you plug your controller into, which is inevitably USB, right? Like the joysticks I have for Xbox and PlayStation and PC and whatever. And then it just has another USB port on the other side that plugs into the system. So it sits in between the controller and the system. Okay, wait a minute. And it converts your signal, whatever your controller is, to something else. You can convert from, like, PS3 to Xbox and Xbox to PS4 and every which way of USB to USB controller. You can use any USB controller on a console is what you're saying. You can basically – no, you can use any – console controller on any other console and there's like one exception oh um okay or on pc and then they throw in like do magical crap like you know uh macros and things like that which i don't care about my point is um that it apparently is high quality and has very very little lag or lag that is imperceptible to people who have used it that sounds pretty essential and um it's also updatable so they're constantly adding like new systems or new ways to do it or improving bugs or whatever um the point is I can take my joysticks that I built for PS3 and Xbox and without having to take apart an Xbox One controller to get it to work on Killer yeah, Instinct. That's pretty interesting. It's like, plug it in. It's almost like it seems like they're bypassing, like, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm not even going to wager to speculate. It also lets you use a, mice, a mouse and keyboard on consoles in a way that is comparable to the other devices that let you do the same thing. I really wonder how that works. Yeah. By the way, I have something that um, I have dubbed um, Kronos uh, Micromus. Okay. And it's actually an Xbox 360 controller that only works on a PC. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it doesn't work. And it doesn't even have the X in the middle. It's just a blank button. It was one of the very early dev kit controllers. Oh, you never showed me that. Uh, well, it looks exactly the same, except one of the buttons is blank. So it's not all that interesting to look <laughs> at. Okay. Well, good good for you. That's fantastic. Okay, so uh, we're back from break. We can talk about serious stuff now. You have things. So serious. Okay, um... Yeah, let's do this uh, Castle Doctrine thing because we have two things about it. All right, so this is the game where indie game, indie developer says... By Jason Rohrer. I'll take your word for it. And, um, yeah, before we do your thing, um, let's talk about his his pricing scheme. Because this is interesting. He recently wrote an article about this. And he makes a really good point. He says, he basically argues against the normal way that most games, or at least indie games now seem to be sold, which is they come out at some price, right? And then one day there's a sale. And the sale, of course, is probably within months of the release, if not less. And... Then a few months later, there's another sale. And then a few months later, there's another sale. And so on and so forth, right? And so, especially with all these, right? What I wanted to say, what I meant was digitally bought games, right? Like off of Steam and so on. They have these... Which is basically the only thing that indie games do. um, Nobody's packaging uh, indie games these days. Yeah. Anyway. So, what seems to be happening is that and i've totally experienced this and i think that every i think that you will agree with this and i think everyone listening will agree right there we've been kind of trained now as consumers because sales are so frequent so we do things now that we didn't used to do when there were no sales and these things that we do now include when the game comes out you wait until the sale shows up because you know it's coming Oh, yeah. I went even further than that. I knew that Bioshock Infinite one day would be free on the Xbox or PS3 because of the PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold thing. And, and you, you this month, it. it is free on PlayStation Plus. There so. you go. And it's happened to me even in just like the regular retail space, right? In, I, I should say that I was pl- I would have bought it for like 20 bucks or whatever. But since I could only find it for more than that, I just waited and eventually it was free. Yeah. And on the, on the developer <laughs> side... Here's the funny part, is that the sale is kind of like um, some kind of cocaine drug, because what ends up happening to us as developers is that we find we found out that, well, every time we do a sale, we get a nice little spike in sales, right? It's a simple supply and demand curve, yeah. So it would naturally follow that if you want to make some more money, just have another sale. And that's what we do. And so Jason in this piece talks about what are the bad consequences of this dynamic that uh, we, we don't really seem to give a lot of attention to. And there's actually a couple of different angles that are really interesting. One of them is that it's, it's like we well first of all we're training players to not buy the game at full price because it is so well known that there's going to be a sale coming up. So that's one thing that it has a bad effect. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to listen to this argument because it's always been that way. It just wasn't defined as a sale, it would just drop in price. That was the old model, which is still a sale. Right? Well, I mean, I don't care what you want to call it. Yeah, price drop. But then the price goes back up again, but then the price goes down. Right? Yeah, I guess that's the definition of a sale. It's a temporary price drop as opposed to a permanent one. Right. Um, 
you know, like Minecraft, for example, does not do this. So we're not trained with every single game, but with most games, this is how we're this is how we're trained, and so we tend to wait for the sales to buy. And that in turn has another really interesting unpleasant effect on the success of the game overall. Because think about what that does. Instead of let's say there's a hundred people who bought your game. Okay. Well, let's say that we know magically that this game in its lifetime, a hundred people will ever buy it. Okay. Well, with the standard type of sales curve or the more traditional type of sales curve, what ends up happening is maybe 80 people buy it in the first week, right? And then the rest, the, the rest of the 20 are elongated over the rest of the lifetime of the product, right? And so what that does, which is really good, is that it gives you a critical mass that a lot of the same, a lot of people are enjoying your product at the same time. And this allows for, you know, social and networking and you know, online types of interactions to uh, kind of catalyze each other. And that has a, that has a further effect, right? Because there's, there's just a lot of buzz happening because a lot of people are playing it. Well, in the sale model uh, that is so frequent these days, you know, we don't do it now like this. It's like, well, now it's in, in, under that framework. It's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe first month five people will buy it. And then the next month, you know, one person, and then you have a sale and then 10 people buy it. And then the next month there's no sale and one person buys it. And so what that's doing is it's spreading out the number of players who are playing your game at the same time over a really large period of time. And he argues that this is basically decent. In his words, it's decimating your player base. And it, it doesn't... I don't know. The way you're describing it makes it actually sound like a good thing. Well, no. It's, he's saying it's not good because you'll ne- you never ever get your critical mass of everybody talking about and playing your game at, at the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on the type of game that, that you have. Is it a game that requires people to be playing simultaneously? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. Or is I'm it talking the, about the marketing the results I'm from... I'm just talking about... I mean, when you're, play, you, when you're playing a game that you just got, you talk about it with your friends at work and stuff. Yeah, right? so basically you're talking about the initial hype that comes from a yeah. lot of people playing. Yeah, it has nothing to do with multiplayer, strictly speaking. And there's another thing, right, which is he feels like they screw your fans by doing the sales model because, I mean, assuming you have fans in the first place, right? Assuming that you have a group of people who really, really, really want to buy your game, now it's basically like, well, the game's out. This happened to me with uh, Grid 2. You know, game's out, want to get it, but want to get it for best price I can so they'd rather wait and so it's 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 a weird relationship where you it's almost like I don't know this is kind of weak but it's almost like you're kind of indirectly telling your fans that like well here's the game but it's overpriced now and uh you you know unless you're a sucker you shouldn't get it now uh, yeah, I mean, that, that it's is kind happening. of the message. I, part of me wonders. So earlier, I, I used the term supply and demand curve, and it's weird because so the concept of supply and demand, for those who aren't really familiar with this super basic concept, is uh, you've got a supply, which is the number of things you have to sell, and you've got demand, which is the number of people who want your thing, uh, or the number of those things that are demanded by the people, and then those two lines intersect somewhere, and that's what you should charge. Um, and so as supply grows, basically the price needs to go down because you've got more to sell. Um, but in the world of digital games, there is an infinite supply. Yeah, so, so how does that correspond? Exactly. So you would argue that the price will go down. And I wonder if the reality that we're seeing of these sales is pushing price down, which isn't really the argument you're making about stretching the timing of, it, of the sales. Uh, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that games are getting digital games exist in this ecosystem where everything is very cheap compared to what they used to be, right? Like just today, there's some Sid Meier, I don't know if it's a humble bundle or just a Sid Meier bundle of some sort, but you can get like Civ 3, Civ 4, Civ 5, and a bunch of other Sid Meier games, you know, for a few dollars. Um, 
And that's that's a huge value if you compare it to to retail pricing. And it's like AAA game stuff. It's not little indie games. Right. Um, and that's all digital distribution. All the games that you won't be playing because you just buy them just to one or two dollars. Exactly. This, uh, so did he, he's basically just saying these sales are dumb and I don't want to do it. Is that the the conclusion? Well, yeah, and they, they, they I mean, they mess, they mess with your, your your customer base. He feels like, and I, I can see that. So you may be asking in response, well, what do you do if you don't do this? If you don't do a sale, if you don't do this model, and obviously, um, it's well, I mean, I guess you could also do the completely static price model, which is it's just this price and it'll always be that price. And that's another thing, right? But that's that's like um, that's almost like the pre-degenerate state of the sale model, right? Because you start out there, and then you're like, "Oh, the game's not making any money anymore." Okay, now let's have a sale, and then you fall into the sale. The sale having yeah, sales. Yeah, you model. do. And you know, with with anything we experience in life, we tend to find something, find an action that results in um, you know the your desired effect. And then take that action to some extreme and then calibrate back. So right now, the, the world of digital distribution is putting a bunch of stuff on super sale uh, and then doing it again and again and again and reducing the amount of money people have to pay. Uh, like it's only a dollar for this $50 game right? or this bundle of $50 games. Right. <clears throat> and, and they'll eventually figure out that that's not the best solution. Maybe make a change. Uh, or you just find other ways you know, to market your stuff. But it's... That's really the question. Like, do you have a game that's so good it can stand on its own? And do you know? Do you have special ideas? And one thing I want to talk about with respect to this particular guy in this particular game is how he found an interesting way to market it. Now, admittedly, I don't know anything about this game. There's, we're not done with this half, by the way. We're not? No, not you, at all. You want to keep going? Well, we're not done yet. Well, I don't know when we're done. Oh, well, that is... All right, run it into the ground. Well, there's nothing needed to be running to the ground. We were just missing the punchline. All right, what is that? Well, what do you do if you don't do any of these, right? I mentioned Minecraft. Uh, yeah, so I would say he's the one with the really good product and the relatively good price, too. Isn't it only like $10 or something? Well, bucks? here's what he did with Minecraft. And this is uh, Jason Rohrer's uh, preferred pricing model. And this is how he's going to model his pricing after. When Minecraft first came out, it was in alpha, beta, whatever. Yeah. Some sort of pre-release state. And it was a certain amount of money. And then when it got to, like, version one or whatever you want to call it, the price went up. Yes. And then later on, the price went up again. And that's what's happened. The price only has gone up. It has never gone down. And so Jason says, here's what he's going to do. You can get this. You can get his game now, the Castle Doctrine, for eight dollars. It's an alpha. When um, wow, actually, it should be on Steam already. So maybe what I just said isn't true. When it comes out, which may already be true, it's going to be twelve dollars because that's the full. Because it's you get more, so you charge more. And then a week after launch, um, which it's uh, it's going to be almost a week after launch, maybe in half a week now. He's going to set another price increase to $16 and it's always going to be $16. Yeah. And so here's the thing. You can do that if you have a quality product that people want to get. If it turns out that people don't like your product and assuming you have a desire to sell it, you will lower the price. Um, Yeah. That's interesting, right? Because Notch never really had to have a sale. There was no reason to. Yeah, he's he's never been forced because he continues to sell the hell out of that game with every new system that it's published on. Yeah. You'll just buy a new version of it, which is weird because I don't think the graphics ever get any better. Uh, well, no, obviously the 
popularity and attraction of that game is not in the graphics. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know anything about Castle Doctrine. Power to him if he can do it, right? But what do you think about that overall, though? I mean, as a customer, well, here's how the do thing. you feel about that? I, I'm arguing. I'm making the claim that if it doesn't sell well, you have to bring the price down. And it's exact. I fell into this. I'll I'll use the word trap, although it's not a great way to describe it. With uh, Bumpy's party, they were like, "This is a great new model. Um, spin the bottle, Bumpy part, Bumpy's party, digital download on Wii U. It's going to only be like nine dollars or something when it first releases. We're going to add more content. It's going to get more expensive over time because there's more content. So technically, it wasn't called an alpha, but that's it's the same model." It's some of the game now, and more of the game will be out later, and you constantly pay more. Right. Except right now, this week, or maybe only last week, I don't, I don't know, um, it was part of like a huge sale on on the Wii U. And it has not gone up in price now that there's new content, not as far as I know anyway. Um, so, so they resorted to that, but it also sounds like to me, in order for this pattern to have any effect whatsoever, you kind of have to stick to your guns. Because otherwise people feel gypped. Because well, yeah. there's that effect. I was too. burned. I was told X is going to happen and instead Y happened. Yeah. And so I'm pissed off about that. So now I don't trust it. When he comes out and announces that model, I don't trust it. In, well, in the case not, of, he didn't make that other game, though. It's not the same person. Well, I agree. But the laws of economics exist with or without. You without think he's going to be claims. just as susceptible to the, as the Bumpy developers were? To the yeah. Cashola sale. Although I don't think Bumpy's developers had much to do with it, uh, or to, whoever, to be honest. Whoever um, made that decision. I think he's susceptible to, you know, the laws of economics and, and a, a base desire to make money. So, yes, if it doesn't sell well, he will change his tune. I mean, or find some other solution, which is like bundle it with some other great content. Oh, now I'm going to give you this make a big deal out of this new stuff I'm adding to the game, which makes it really worth it now. But, you know, there's you can only do that so much. Like, if people don't like the game to begin with, adding more content to it's not going to help. It'll be interesting to find out if and when that happens. Yeah. But, so the point I was going to lead into is this other interesting thing about this game. Yep. Which is, he found another way to market this, which is really novel. I hope you know a lot about this, because I don't. I don't know a lot about it, and I don't think we have to talk too much about it. I, well, I'm, I'm really curious, like, like, how it actually works. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, if I were a better uh, reporter or journalist, I would have actually researched this game. But I didn't feel it was terribly important to know about the mechanics of the game. But I'm guessing, within the context of the game, you steal stuff. You steal money as part of the game. Whether or not that's a key component... Or a more subtle component to the game, I don't know. Right. But he made some announcement, and this has already happened, right? So it's not like you can jump on this train at this point, unless he's going to continue doing it. Um, he kept track of all the people, you know, of course, you keep track of what people do in your game. Um, and when you steal money in the game, you actually get paid real money by him as part of this contest so i assume he had some sort of cap on it and within the context of this interview yeah like i'd, I'd um, like to know what that is because he, he said that this contest cost him forty five hundred dollars so i assume he said i'm putting forty five hundred dollars into a pool yeah taking all of these players letting them play the game and steal money and then for every for every dollar that is stolen you know you you find an equivalent real world dollar sum and, and then you give it back to those players hmm. and so one, the the winner of this contest, not the only person who received money, but the person who stole the most money and therefore received the most money, um, he stole $334,000 of game currency, uh-huh. whatever that means in the context of the game, right. and earned $316 from, you know, as a part of this contest. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty flat structure then. It's, he's, he's distributing his investment pretty evenly it sounds like well i'm i'm assuming that's the case right yeah. so if only one player played and, and stole a total of one dollar then he would have received forty five hundred dollars but you know probably millions of dollars in game currency and he, and the developer didn't know how much was going to be stolen within yeah. the duration of this but he then equated this many dollars equals you know however many dollars were stolen in the game equals forty five hundred us dollars and now divide that up and give it to the players um, and then the, the number one guy also won something else, some physical prize relating to the game. But uh, it's just really interesting. It was his way of marketing because people talked about it and shared it. And he said that, like, basically it worked like gangbusters. Uh, to quote him, he says, did this contact work to promote the game before launch? Was it worth running? Absolutely. The buzz around the contest created the second biggest pre-Steam sales, uh, sales day in Castle Doctrine history when almost 800 people bought the game in one day. And the only time more people bought the game 
was on the alpha launch day, where slightly more than 800 people bought the game. Um, so that's great. See, I, I thought at first he was going to do um, like one of these uh, Chinese treasure chest kind of chicaneries where there's like, or, or maybe it's also analogous to um, some of these adversarial auction sites, right? Oh. Where it's like the person who does the most gets it all, right? And everyone else gets nothing. Yeah. It... And then they all spend some kind of thing in the process. It, uh, well, they had to spend to buy the game, so certainly getting people to buy it works for him. But I think he was taking a risk, assuming that this contest would encourage enough people to buy the game that it outweighed the amount of money he was putting into it. Right. Um, like I said, I don't know the actual details, but it seemed, from what I'm reading, I'm, I'm taking from this that it was a pretty well-run contest where he equated in-game money to real money and distributed and... At least that's the way I'm choosing to think about it. And and certainly he seems like he has his stuff together where he's trying to do things. Well, maybe he doesn't have to resort to a sale in six months. Maybe yeah. he's going to do just fine. Well, because of this article and others. But the, the overall point I'm trying to make is he found an interesting solution to marketing his game. And giving away money yeah, is always a Well, it's really slick because solution. It's, it's, just, it's just in the sheer novelty. It's really slick. Yeah, if everybody did this... Uh, if he was it the thirtieth, well. yeah. If he was the thirtieth time this had happened, I don't think anyone would have noticed. But because it's the first time it's happened, that's really interesting. Yeah. And now the question is, how many people copy it? But then again, like I said, giving away money is a really good incentive. So this is the sort of contest that would continue working more than just gimmicky stuff because it results in people actually making money. But yeah. you know, how much did this guy have to work to end up with three hundred sixteen? That, that's the next question, right? Because I'm sure anybody who uh, participates in this kind of promotion very quickly does a computation of how many how much money they're gonna get per hour. Yeah. Well not only that, as soon as there's actual money to be earned to be gained by something, right? Which is to say maybe a thousand different developers are running the same type of contest, people are just gonna be writing scripts and, you know, doing what they have to do. To uh, well, to be the winners. Clearly, for it to be effective, it has to be impervious to that type of yeah exploitation. Anyway, uh, yeah, good, good for this guy for figuring out solutions to these problems. And then I, I really do wonder what he's going to charge in the future if he's able to stick to his sixteen dollars thing. Sounds like a follow up. Fan, fantastic. Hey, I got something in the last uh, thirty seconds we have here. Okay, so there was. Shoot, I don't even know if I mentioned this before or not. There's a Kickstarter, it's really interesting, that's out now, and it's by ex-God of War developers and some other people. And this is funny because they're calling it Titanfall, and they're describing it exactly like the old game I worked on, the Red Star, which is long-range combat, short-range combat combined in one game. This is the only game since that game. I want to hear more about this. We'll, We'll be right back. We are back. You mentioned Titanfall, but I think there was a mistake in there. What you... No, that was a test. You passed the test. Congratulations. Okay. It is not called Titanfall. It is also part of former Titanfall developers. Gotcha. Which is weird because the game's not out yet. But anyway, uh, it's called To the Death. This is this is my uh, inability to read my own notes. Is it uh, a marriage simulator? No, but close. It's I don't I, I don't know exactly. I mean, you can go on the Kickstarter and see it. It looks a little bit shootery. It doesn't look exactly like the Red Star was, but I found it interesting as I was um, cramming in all the words at the end. I'm going to say it again a little more slowly this time. There's. So we made the game The Red Star in 2004. It came out in 2007. And it's it's the only game, as far as I know, that is about long-range shooting action and short-range melee action. Yeah, so... And and that is exactly the pitch that is on their Kickstarter. The the way you just described that, I think, sounds like a lot of other games. What you mean is the long-range shooter is like... It's like a shmup, 
like like a shoot 'em up like Gradius style or whatever. No, mixed with also melee combat. No, it's just um, there's just projectile interaction and then also which is the long range and there's melee interaction which is the short range uh, happening in an integrated fashion. But wouldn't you argue that Metal Slug is like that? No, because Metal Slugs, um, because the the melee combat in Metal Slug is really degenerate. There's, I mean, it's certainly it's, limited. It, it's it's essentially the same as a bullet that's short range. Like, there's no depth in that. Okay. You know, um, for it to be meaningful to have that kind of dichotomy, you'd have to develop that part of it a lot more. So, from what I've seen on their Kickstarter, it kind of looks like it's there's like. It seems like it's a different format, kind of. It's not exactly what we did. But I find it really interesting that it's it's taken this long to for for a game like this to be announced again. And, and I'm sure book, it would have happened faster if if uh the Red Star was released uh, well, properly. Well, well it would have happened faster if uh, more than twenty people had heard of the Red Star. Yeah, exactly. Um but it's also kind of funny because while we were making the Red Star, we we saw I remember the day that we saw the first screenshots released of God of War. And we were very upset. You thought that it was gonna be the same thing? Because it seemed very, very much like what we were doing, except it looked a thousand million times better. And we we knew from the information that was available at the time that it was probably going to be a very shallow type of experience that really focused on visuals. And, I mean, you know, we were like, yeah, this is probably going to just destroy us. And, I mean, we destroyed ourselves. Well, we didn't do it, but the company that we worked for did anyway. But, um, yeah, needless to say, there was no competition. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a very different game. It ended up being very different, so that's that's fine. So I'm curious what's going to happen to this one. All right. Well, the last thing I got is um, this Clueless Gamer controversy thing. You know about the Clueless Gamer? Uh, I've heard that before, but I'm not sure what, what topic you're getting at. It's a segment that Conan O'Brien does. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Okay. I just I was forgetting what it was. So let me yeah. break it down real quick. On this segment, Conan looks at games and he just says funny things. It has come to light that some developers pay big money to have their product featured on there. And a particular one paid $35,000 to have their product featured on there. Oddly, that doesn't sound like big money to me. Look, it's not big money to Conan, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm Certainly, it's not big money to anybody involved in that transaction. But as far as I'm concerned, 35K is big money. Okay. So the f- here, okay, so here's the controversy is that the FTC says that if there is a material, in their words, a material connection between an endorser and an advertisement, that it should be disclosed. Yeah, I just assumed it was in those credits at the end that nobody reads. Ah, that's interesting. I wonder if that's true or not. If it is, you or know, not. special consideration provided by right whatever company, and it just flashes on the screen for a few seconds, and nobody rem- knows that it's there. Right in like two point font. And the thing that's the thing that this is a very very confused situation because not er- not all of the products pay to get on there, and also it is a very unclear type of endorsement. Because Conan isn't reviewing the games, he's just using them for shtick. And actually, the, what the producers say, and I believe them, is that he doesn't even see the product until they were doing the recording. The producers pick the battery of products that he's going to look at according to what they think is going to be funny. And he just does off-the-cuff stuff. Uh, I think there was one time there was, he's, he was playing Minecraft, right? And he was like, this game is so stupid. The graphics are terrible, right? But it's ironic. Get it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why this is creating so much controversy. Just... So, well, here, I mean, like, you could say you could say that people are upset because it, hasn't, it wasn't known, and now you don't know. 
if um, any in, anything on there is is being paid for or not. And I mean, frankly, I guess I don't really care that much as an individual. Yeah, I mean, I I do understand why people are upset, but I'm an adult and I realize that transparency is not something that I'm provided by by the media. Yeah. So I don't have that expectation. Other people, the youngsters these days. You know what's funny? I'm going to tell a little story. Please. This is um, it's probably never been told to the public before. And it's a long time ago, so I can tell it without fear of getting um, killed or worse. When I used to work for Tips and Tricks, yeah, this kind of stuff goes on a lot more than you think, and this is one example. Although when you worked for Tips and Tricks, that was before the FTC rulings uh, went in place, the ones that keep getting quoted these days. Yeah, and I don't even know if FTC has jurisdiction over magazines, do they? Uh, Yeah, they have jurisdiction over any commercial entity. Okay, so check this out. I used to work for a magazine called Tips and Tricks, and it, it sounds, well, it was published by Larry Flint. It's been defunct for a very long time now. There was, uh, it's, it's funny because it's like one of his magazines, like, he does magazines that are not pornographic, but even his non-pornographic magazines kind of sound pornographic. I, it never struck me until right now. Yeah. It... He also has a magazine called Hot Boat, which <laughs> is strictly about speedboats. Okay. Anyway, like hot rod, hot boat. Get yeah, it? no, okay. I get it. Um, <clears throat> so there was one time where we had a cover, and our cover was bought. The thing that was featured on the cover was paid for. And actually, I think it was $35,000. <laughs> Which was a lot more money back then. And the reason why I remember that is because <clears throat> on one of these covers, there is a vehicle displayed. And this vehicle has a license plate. And I don't know why, but for some reason, somebody decided to put a little secret message in the license plate. It basically says CFS35K. <laughs> Cover, Cover for, for sale. sale. 35,000. Exactly. Okay. So it happens a lot. And um, I'm sure it happens tons of times that nobody ever knows about. You have what... told me that story before. I yeah. don't know if it was on the show or not. Definitely not. It was not on the show. Okay. Because back then, I, I mean, I would have been... Well, even, even it was defunct back then. But I, it's been so long now that um, I don't care. Yeah, well... So that's always exciting. Is Larry Flint still alive? <laughs> I'm sure he's alive. I don't even know. Okay. So, um... Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that goes around. It just doesn't phase me anymore, I guess. I mean, I, I still... Like, from the developers who make the game and the content in the game, I expect... I don't know. There, there's a, a higher bar for me. But in media, when I'm watching a show or a commercial or whatever, um, something that is marketing the game, even if even if Conan's not uh, necessarily marketing, right? Right. It falls into the same category. Um, that, I have no expectation for reality like even even gaming magazines i don't i don't trust so much because i know that the person who's playing it might have a different opinion or a different expectation when playing the game of course well, well this thing is like right like all of his opinions are jokes in his skit well, so that too that just conflates the issue further yeah Confounds. i mean that's the you way know way. it's like when you're watching the daily show or uh colbert report or whatever and like they make fun of arby's like, they, they will straight up talk about how Arby's is disgusting food and you shouldn't eat it, right? Okay. Guaranteed they're getting paid to say that by Arby's. Maybe so. Because yeah. it just puts the brand out there. Otherwise, they wouldn't say it. Right. Right. And and because they'll talk about Arby's on several shows <laughs> within, you know, a month's time. Uh, you know that that's what's, what's going on. But, you know, I, I think about when I was 13 and I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that that's how the world works. But I just... I don't know. Yeah. Call, call me old and jaded at this point. That's just how things are. Well, you're young and naive until you get old and jaded. So I, I guess that's true. All right. So we only have a couple minutes left. Um, I'm going to switch yeah. gears. Yeah. Again. What else you got? You played Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Right? This thing. You played a lot of Oblivion. I played too much Oblivion. I played too much Skyrim. Yeah. So I have not paid attention to Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls games ever. Right, except that I remember Morrowind being for sale when I worked at yeah. the stores that sold those this things. Is, this is a healthy place to be in life. Yeah. 
So never played them. However, I read an article from two years ago. Someone posted it onto Facebook or something recently. It was probably Joe. By the way, thanks to Joe for helping me move all those Dreamcast VGA adapters because they are all sold now. It's crazy. Uh, talk about he, that last he's week. a salesperson par excellence. Yeah, no, he went onto some Dreamcast forum. was like, guys, you should totally buy these. They're great. And like seven of them sold in one day. So anyway, they're all gone. But um, two years ago, someone talked about this thing called the Radiant AI, which I'm sure is just a code name for something they were building in Oblivion, which was basically just building really good AI into every NPC that existed in the game. And I had never heard of this because I wasn't paying attention Wait to Wait a minute. Game. They have something called a Radiant Quest system in Skyrim. Maybe it's a continuation of that. And maybe they built it into Skyrim. This thing's from two years ago, so what do I know? Okay. Um, Well, tell me what it is, and then we'll run out of time and not be able to finish it. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I guess it was just some incredible AI, and they built it into everything. But then they had to take it out because it ran amok in the game where, like, you might have... Crap, I should have read this right before talking about it. There might be, like, a special item or, like, some, some guy whose job it is to rake leaves. He's an NPC character. And then somebody else whose job it is to... I don't know, make sure the yard is raked of leaves and then they'll end up fighting over the rake and then like killing each other. <laughs> oh, well that's that sounds a lot more exciting than most of the stuff that happened right. in either but of those games. The, the result was you would go into a town and everyone would be dead and the quests that you need to do, you can't do because the NPCs would be dead because they fought each other. Well, it's a fantasy world. Why can't they bring back resurrection? It just point is this sounds like it would have been awesome if maybe it was just tweaked and done right this amazing world of people doing things that are unexpected but interesting yeah in the game and material ways instead in skyrim what they ended up doing is having a world filled with dragons who permanently kill npcs that you need really yeah in in uninteresting ways i guess that's why this game is full of so many bugs and weirdness with a series of games Anyway, I, I would love to hear if people have stories about stuff like that happening, but they, they mostly pulled it out of oblivion, so it was, it was basically gone. But I'd love to see that thing in a real game. Love it. Sounds like the And Sims. I might be interested in playing it. Maybe so. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week. Go to our Facebook page, talk on it. We'll see you. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember... All your base are belong to us.